You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Tonight we've got a great show. Uh, we've got legendary NFL strength coach Jerry Palmieri on. Jerry, great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Coach, thanks for having me. I'm using that word legendary loosely, Coach, believe me. <laughs> well, I have a ton of respect for you and your career. And, uh, you know, we have some some common uh, acquaintances, of course, in the profession because we both ran it for quite some time. And uh, I had the privilege of visiting you when you were with the Jaguars, me and my uh, my assistant, Jay Butler came there uh, for a visit, and, and that was uh, very much appreciated, uh, the information and so forth and the time that you spent with us. So uh, 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 today we want to basically, uh, we want to talk about uh, uh, your career, but at the same time we want to go uh, to the earlier life of Jerry Palmieri, and we want to talk about uh, a little bit about your testimony and basically how how you got to be an individual who felt so strongly about your faith and uh, kind of where that started uh, with the young Jerry Palmieri growing up in New Jersey, going to Dumont High School. And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about your family growing up and who were your influences and uh, a little bit about uh, uh, Dumont High School. Yeah, well, I grew up... Uh... As you said, in Dumont High School, it's a small town, about a one square mile of all homes. It's a true suburb area. And uh, mom and dad were hardworking, middle-class people. The mom was a stay-at-home mom, cleaned the house, did did everything. You know, I was basically spoiled. She was just that old-fashioned stay-at-home mom. Dad was a longshoreman and, uh, you know, really taught me about work ethic, not by you know, hit me with a whip, making me do stuff. Just the fact that his work ethic was was extraordinary. And the things he did to put food on a table. And he was a very tough man and a, a loving man. And I had great respect for my father. So he had a tremendous amount of influence on me, as my mom did as well. And, you know, growing up and doing, I was involved in all kinds of sports, uh, like, like many of us were. And that kind of uh, prepared me for ultimately my, my career but the um i did play football in high school but I, the sport that i most excelled in was i was an amateur boxer and uh that's where i uh i probably uh accomplished my my greatest accolades as far as uh, uh statewide national and i also competed internationally representing the usa team so it was a great experience for me but um as far as my my salvation, when I came to know the Lord, it was really my sister that uh, had the greatest impact on our family. And we were a strong Catholic family, went to church every Sunday, and uh, we loved God. We did the right thing, but um, didn't really truly understand that personal relationship. I mean, we wasn't like we went to church, checked out the box, and just left. We, we listened. It was, it was important to us. But my sister was uh, searching for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And she attended a Christian rock concert that was held at our high school on a Saturday evening. And after the concert, she went down up front and began speaking with the, the band members and they shared the gospel with her and she received Jesus Christ as a personal savior. Well, she was so fired up by the newfound faith, she came back to the house and started talking about Jesus this and Jesus that, and she's in a room reading the Bible. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this, this, this girl's whacked out. What's gotten into her? <laughs> and, and, you know, she's always in the room reading the Bible, talking about Jesus. I'm saying, man, See, at that time, I was a good kid, worked hard at school, did my best in, in, in sports, didn't get in trouble. 
and uh, what church every Sunday, said my prayers at at, uh, at night. And then, you know, I said a couple more prayers when I had a big exam coming up or a major competition, you know, a normal relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And then she, one Sunday, she invited me to go to her church that night. They were showing a, a movie called The Thief in the Night. I said, I got nothing going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. And a buddy came with me. Well, at the end of the movie, the pastor asked the Lord to bow our heads and close our eyes and says, if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross for your sins, raise your hand. Well, I was a good Catholic kid. I was taught that all my life. Went to Catholic school. Yeah, I raised my hand. Well, I was the only joker in that congregation to raise his hand that night. And next thing I know, he's calling me up in front and talking to me about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, oh, you asked a couple of questions. I raised my hand. I don't know anything about this personal relationship stuff. <laughs> but, the, but the pastor was patient with me. And he handed me probably one of the first editions of the Modern English Version Bible. Turned to the gospel, showed me how to read it, gave me the book, and set me on my way. Well, I began reading that Bible that night by my bedside and continued to do so for the next two weeks, every night. And at two weeks of reading that Bible, I accept Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. And that was the very beginning of my faith. And it was a steady road. The good Lord brought people into my life. Um, I look at some of the... the Really, my sister, my mom, mom came to know the Lord, and they got me devotions and, and just kind of guided me a little bit as I kept continuing to read. But when I went out to Oklahoma, and uh, after I went to North Carolina, my first, you know, full-time job was at Oklahoma State, I met my spiritual father there. And this man was, I uh, just invested in myself and my wife. He baptized us and had a tremendous influence on us, uh, even to this day. So every Father's Day, which is coming up, I call him. And I always tell him, I say, Tom, just got to call you on Father's Day because, you know, you're not much mean to me. So, and then it was just steady growth. And, you know, it's like they say, salvation is just the beginning. And well, you got to walk with Christ every day. You got to continue to grow. And I pray I continue to grow to the day I die. So that's well, I appreciate you sharing that. that. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, <clears throat> so let's. Uh, well, I, I can also relate to that because you know I grew up in Western PA, little you know coal mining community. Uh, you know my family were immigrants. One side from Ireland, one side from Germany. Uh, some of them didn't even speak the the language, and you know uh, I was an altar boy and. I uh, served for the bishop and all kinds of stuff. And, but, you know, there's sometimes, you know, you get the homily and you get the message, but at the same time, sometimes you want a little bit more. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat with you where I wanted to go out there and find everything I could, I could find with regard to, uh, you know, life and, and spiritual awareness and uh, learn as much about the word as possible. I pull that up. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in kindergarten or first grade when it comes to what I know about the Bible, probably. But uh, I got a doctorate degree in what God has done for me. So, uh, man, I'm Amen. a very thankful individual. Amen. So, I've been fortunate enough too to and, uh, be introduced to some 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 really quality books on on Christian manhood. You know, one of my favorite authors is Steve Farrar, and uh, I mean, he's he's written Point Man, phenomenal book for for any man leading his family. And I, yeah, my wife got me a book. She knows how much I like him. And I read a number of his books. And one book I hadn't read, which was published back in 1998. I said, you know, I read Point Man. I said, why, why do I got to read Anchorman? You know, it's like some same kind of book. Well, was I shocked? It was it was really about leading your family for the next hundred years by investing wow. in. In your children, investing in your grandchildren, as they invest in their children, so on and so forth. You impact a family for a hundred years spiritually, and uh, it was a this is a great read, great read. Well, that's awesome, man. That's uh, that could even be related to uh, maybe a certain coach within a program uh, being the anchor man for the future of the culture of a program. You know, that it kind of brings something to mind there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we see coaches who have 
have a legacy of other coaches that take their philosophy and their impact and bring it on to somebody else. But, you know, I'm also, I think it's so critical for us, Jeff, as, as coaches, we have such a great impact on the young men and young women we coach. And, and we can really impact their lives and to a greater level, you know, when we impact them spiritually and they come to a relationship with Jesus Christ because of the life that we live and how life. Well, yeah, and I wanted to, you know, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. I guess you could say in relationship to what I'm, I'm attempting to do or how I, I just kind of fell into this mission because I felt like God was calling me to do more instead of uh, retiring and going fishing and golfing somewhere. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I've started a, a website called armoredlife.org. Uh, basically, a, a team of about 15 individuals, about 15 believers former players and coaches on there, uh, you know, where we can pray for each other and, and communicate and things of that nature and, and add certain things to either podcast or to the website. So that's where it started. And then uh, um, I had an opportunity to do this podcast through Sports Objective. Uh, very thankful for them. And uh, I said, look, if I can talk about Jesus Christ, I'll do the podcast. And they were agreeable to that. So I'm very excited about that. And then when I I had on the podcast Kevin Colbert from the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I had been with them for 22 years uh, as a general manager and vice president. And he recently started a program called Lend a Hand for, for the Steelers who, you know, who have been out maybe four or five years and kind of get lost because, you know, the way he puts it is, you know, hey, when the lights go out, you know, some people get lost. And so uh, so I started the Locker Room for Life, and we've had one, one – uh, uh, one session of that on a Zoom call, similar to what the Steelers are doing. And uh, I've got one coming up now next month where I've got a guy coming on talking about how to build uh, how to build and establish your credit, uh, how to buy and sell houses. And then another individual is going to talk about, a uh, pastor is going to talk about how to build a solid marriage. And then we're going to have those guys uh, talk to each other. So, I'm, you know, I'm real excited about what I can do. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, I – I kind of go back to, uh, hey, man, your boxing career, uh, you were the New, New Jersey uh, Golden Gloves champion like three years in a row. And, um, you know, I just think about the spiritual battle that we fight every day. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a real kumbaya dude, man. I'm, I'm out to fight this battle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm ready to fight this battle, man. So uh, I, I love connecting with people like you. You know, I, I really enjoy speaking into men, uh, the lives of men. And, you know, it's 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 locker room talk. You know, I mean, uh, I don't mean I don't mean foul language or or talking about women as some people refer to locker room talk. But, you know, hey, it's it's hard. It's straightforward. And, you know, when you have to, it's in your face. And, to, right. you know, walking out this this spiritual journey, you know, you got to man up. And, and know what you're up against. And so um, it's, it's been fun to do that. And uh, it, it's been very rewarding as I see men develop and becoming the men God, God is calling them to be. Yeah, well, I don't think there's anybody who's ever been on the earth who's tougher than Jesus Christ. If you don't believe it, watch the Passion of the Christ movie sometime. Oh, I mean, uh, you know. Who was tougher than Jesus? Um, he was just he was, absolutely, absolutely couldn't couldn't agree more. You know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your career. Of course, uh, you know you you spent a little bit of time at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, you know, we same place where I spent ten years. But you know, I think you started there. What as a possibly a GA or or something or. Well, well, let, let me tell you the story here, uh, Jeff, and, and it just goes to show you if God's got a call in your life, he, he can you know, he can make something out of nothing because I didn't lift a weight in my life until I graduated college. I went to school for physical education. I wanted to teach and coach in high school. That was, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. And when I got out of uh, college, I couldn't get a teaching job. I... I Worked as an in-school suspension teacher and uh, in Irvington, which is right outside Newark, not the most desirable place to be. 
had a kid threaten to come back and shoot me. Uh, so not the um, not the best scenario. And uh, but while I was there, and, and when I finished coaching uh, football, the uh, friend of mine said, "Hey, there's a new this new health club opened up. It's the Nautilus Club. Why don't you come and and work with us? Make some extra money because you know I was engaged, going to get married soon." So I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go do it." So I was working this Nautilus system, and then I started asking questions. I said, "You know, powerlifters do." heavyweight low reps multiple sets bodybuilders do you know lighter weight higher reps multiple sets and then we're just doing one set to fight it doesn't really make sense so it motivated me to begin reading some literature i joined the nsca um and i decided to go back to to grad school uh take study exercise physiology learn how the body responds to exercise, and then form my own philosophy. And so I spent another year teaching at, at another school and got accepted to Carolina, went down to Carolina and, and uh, Paul Houlihan, at one time strength coach there, was, was uh, yeah. the athletic director over, uh, over football, I, I believe was his title. And during the transition, uh, they hadn't hired Mike Marks yet. And uh, Mr. Woolhan told me, he says, yeah, you can come volunteer here. Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So I was basically a, a teaching assistant in physical education. So I taught in three classes there. And then I worked, you know, I actually volunteered the first semester with Mike yeah. Marks. And then uh, he hired me on as a, as a part-timer on a, you know, on hourly wage. So that's how I started. And I'll never forget the first time, the first meeting we had, it was myself, Chip Sigmund, a guy by the name of Harley Dart, and uh, um, Bun Reigns. And yeah. you know, my, Mike is talking to us, says, says Jerry, why don't you show us how to do a power clean? Well, I hadn't done a power clean in my life. And the only thing I was doing is during the summer, when I got to Carolina, when I got to Chapel Hill, and waiting for class to start, I, I'd go over every day and just watch watch the football team train and just get my eyes on it. And so I, I must have learned enough just by watching those guys. And I I, I did a clean. So, okay, that's not too bad. You know, so I, I at least passed the test. He didn't kick me out of the out of the gym. And uh, it was a very slow start. But um, <laughs> over time, we uh, we learned. I, I studied. Uh, I became more knowledgeable and uh, just uh, by the grace of God, you know, John Stuckey, we had some mutual yeah. friends. Coach Stuckey was at North Carolina State and we had some mutual friends through the Fellowship Christian Athletes and he uh, got to know me and he invited me to go out to Oklahoma State with him. And when I went out to Oklahoma State, I taught and coached. Uh, so I basically taught in the morning that I had to teach nine hours. So that's what I did in the morning, and then in the afternoon, that's really when things picked up. That's when we coached, and I coached in the afternoon. Right. And, uh, and then in 1987, I got my first head job at Kansas State, and uh, I was there six and a half years. And now were you with uh, Coach Snyder? I was, but I but but Stan Parrish hired me. Yeah. So. It was a, it was a, it was difficult because uh, at that time, K State was soon to be dubbed the losingest football program in the history of the NCAA. Right. <clears throat> Only gone to one bowl game, which they lost, and uh, so I was with. Didn't win a game on the coach Parrish. Uh, we went 0-10-1, 11 He got fired. They hired Bill Snyder. And that first year, he went uh, one and ten. And that first uh, win was against the powerhouse of the South, North Texas State. And I don't think they were one A at that time. I think they won double A. And yeah. uh, we won it on the last play of the game. Uh, <laughs> quarterback threw a fade pass into the end zone. Our receiver caught the ball, kept his feet in bounds, fell to the ground. <laughs> like by watching, you know, single touchdown. The fans went crazy. They they rushed the field. They tore down the goalposts because he won one game. 
my first three years, we were, uh, what would that be? One, uh, 131 and, uh, and one, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that was it. And then it steadily got, got better. So I was yeah. four years under Coach Snyder. And then turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, uh, I tell you, Coach Stuckey was, was great for me because yeah, I call him up. You know, we we talk, and he was my mentor. You know, so I I begin to vent my frustration. You know, because here I'm looking around. All all my professional peers are at big time schools, making big time money, going to big time bowl games. I'm stuck here at Kansas State, and he says, "Jerry, do the best you can you can where God has you, and in His time, He'll move you." Right. And sometimes I'd be reminded of that by him, you know, sometimes we're slow learners, but that's what I did. And I trust this what God had me and I did the best I could. And in 1993, somebody recommended me to uh, um, Tom Coughlin when he was looking for, for a strength coach at BC. He was going into his third season and uh, flew me in for an interview and, and, and hired me. And uh, so it was a, a great connection. Obviously, I wound up being his strength coach for 21, 21 years. So a good man and a great guy to work for. And also, you won uh, two Super Bowls. That was a blessing. You know, when we went to Jacksonville, we 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 shot the NFL by going to the uh, championship game in our second uh, second season with a bunch right. of guys who. You know, no one really gave much credit to, but they 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 played hard, and then a couple of years later, we went back to the championship game. Both times, unfortunately, we lost. The second time, we were the number one seed, had the best record in the NFL. We just couldn't beat the Tennessee Titans. They beat us three times, and the last time they beat us was in a championship game. So, uh, but yeah, we we uh, coach got fired uh, from Jacksonville, so we all got let go. But here, here's something I want to share, share, Coach. You know, so in between Jacksonville and the Giants, I spent a year with New Orleans Saints as an assistant. And yeah. I recall people saying to me, you know, when it was the in the 2002 season, things started going south, and because the media was just killing Coach, and people were saying to me, "Hey, what are you doing? What are, what are, what are you going to do to position yourself for?" for a job next year. I said, look, God's called me at this place. I'm gonna work my tail off be the best I can at this job. And what happens, happens. So I'm gonna do what I'm, I'm, I'm called to do. I wasn't on the phone, making phone calls and all that stuff. And and I just did my job. Well, I was the last coach to get fired. I remember <laughs> Coach Del Rio, um, he called me up, it was, it, was, it was Thursday and before the Super Bowl, Hey, uh, he already kind of told me he was going to go in a different direction. He said, can you clean your office out by the weekend? I said, sure, coach. So I did. And I hung the phone up, called my wife. And my wife, uh, godly woman, she said, okay. She hung the phone up, went into the our living room in Jacksonville and played a Michael W. Smith's praise CD and began praising the Lord in the middle of our living room, just praising God praying to him, just glorifying him through it all. And uh, 30 minutes later, after Coach Del Rio told me to clean up my office, Rock Gullickson called me, head strength coach in the Orleans Saints, and said, Jay, how you doing? I said, well, Rock, I'm not doing too good. I just got fired. And he said, well, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I'm looking for an assistant, and I've interviewed some guys, not really happy what's out there, and Want to know if you'd be interested in coming working for me for the year. And I didn't know what to say right at first because I didn't know how my wife was going to feel about leaving Jacksonville and going to New Orleans. And I called her and she said, let's go. Let's go. That's the answer. And, you know, so I'm just thinking here, I'm fired for 30 minutes, basically, and I got a job <laughs> offer. And now, that's never really ever happened before or after, just that one time. <laughs> and, and Jeff, I looked up on my wall and I had a frame 
and the the Bible verse Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am God. And I said, Wow. I did nothing. Awesome. And then uh, so after the year with the Saints, which was a great great time with Rock Gullicks, and we just became good friends. And uh, you know, we think we did the best job we could. Uh, Coach Coughlin got the job with the Giants, and he called me up and said, "When can you get up here?" So I spent 12 seasons coaching for the Giants. We won the um, Super Bowl 42 in the 2007 season, and then Super Bowl 46 in the 2011 season. And uh, and both both Super Bowls. Um, Coach's job was on the line. Yeah, you know, so um, wow. he had a he had a win in that 2007 season. Not just make it to the playoffs. He had to get the. They told him he had to get to the playoffs and win. And right. I don't think they were as direct in 2011, but the writing was on the wall. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. Two great experiences. Two great games. Extremely emotional for my family and I. The first one was especially, and I uh, just really feel blessed and honored to be part of uh, those teams and those organizations. With from Jacksonville, oh, every place I've been, it just you know, always felt that I was where God wanted me to be. And when yeah. you're where God, when you are where God wants you to be, there's fulfillment, there's peace, there's joy in your life, and. Uh, so he, oh, he, he, even through the tough times, Jeff, of not winning, we started an F, my wife and I started an FCA on that campus at Kansas yeah. State. And just you can just see the lives you're touching and and the kids just growing and maturing as as young people and as believers, so much so that probably shortly before I went to, to to BC, I was talking to a coach and said, Jerry, wouldn't you want to be coaching the NFL? Be around the, the, the greatest athlete to play this game. I looked at him and said, yeah. not really. I mean, I feel these college kids, I'm really, I'm like a dad to, to many of them. And I'm yeah. able to invest in their lives and I'm able to have an impact. And that's really what I want. And little did I know that, you know, Probably just about, about two years, two or three years later, I'll be going to the NFL. Yeah. And I, I learned that you can still have impact on those men. You, you just got to treat them differently. You're yeah. more of a peer at that level as opposed to a, a father. In college, you're more of that father role. In the NFL, you have that peer role. And then when you learn that, I mean, you can speak into their lives every bit as well. And uh, I think coaching is about impact. So that, that's real important to me. Sure. Well, you know, I had uh, I had Steve Watterson on a podcast here a couple weeks ago. You know, when I was out in Nashville, I went to uh, – he invited me to his house for dinner, and uh, we just uh, had a great conversation. It's always so great to see Steve. And, uh, you know, we had a really good podcast. Uh, but, you know, Steve had an amazing career. Uh, he was with the, well, you know, I visited him with, when he was with the Houston Oilers. Uh, I, was, I went out there for about a week, and Steve taught me how to uh, suck the head out of a crawfish. And, uh, <laughs> well, Steve was a different man back in Houston to who he was in, when he got to Tennessee. Yes. Now, I'm sure he shared that story, but, you know, he's a man of God, a very close yep. friend of mine, and uh, we just have a phenomenal relationship and uh, really love him and uh, his, his desire to serve God. Yeah, he, was a little, he, was, he was a little different breed back there, and he'll yep. be the first to tell you. Yeah, I've known him for a long time, no doubt. Um, and then I had Steve Verderosa on. Yep. Uh, Steve uh, wrote a book, so you want to be an NFL scout, and so I'm sure you're probably pretty familiar with him. 
he is a good friend as well. And, you know, because he's a believer uh, as well. And so we connected. Actually, Steve and I connected uh, when I was in college and he would come around. And obviously, because I grew up in New Jersey, I was a Giants fan. There was a little bit of a connection when he came in. And uh, we just got to know each other. And not that we ever called each other, but we just always seemed to cross paths. And even when I was out of it, you know, potentially going to be out of work with at Jacksonville, um, I can't remember where I was, maybe at the uh, uh, Senior Bowl or something like that. We crossed paths. He said, hey, God's got a plan for you. And uh, so Steve and I stayed in touch uh, even after the giant days. And, uh, you know, one thing that I do, uh, coaches, I'm back in 2011. My kids were out of the house. And I think it's important for a father to speak into the lives of his children. And you know, I saw a statistic that said, when the father comes to Christ, 75% of the family follows, statistically now, okay? 75% of the family follows. I think when, when a, a wife comes to to when the mother comes to Christ, only about 17% will follow. So oh, men are the priests of the family. <clears throat> and so, you know, I always spoke into my kids' lives when they were under my roof, but now they're out of the house. I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start studying the Bible verses and make a little devotion. And so I started in Genesis. And as I read through Genesis, I, I had a lot of notes that over the years, just from different different pastors, different speakers, different studies I've done, and I would share those 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 messages. To I created devotion and share it to them, and I've been doing that since 2011. And then I had some people find out that I was doing it, and they said, "Hey, can I get on that list?" So before long, I was up to about 50 people, and finally, a friend gave me an app to show me how a better way to do it. I was just forwarding messages 50 times. Yeah. And and now, and the reason I say that because both Steve, both Steve, who just talked about Brother Rosa and Waterson, are on my list. And uh, now I'm up to about 368 on my list. Wow. wow. Actually, Monday to Friday. So it's been good for me. It's it's given me vision and purpose. It's given um, along some other things I'm doing, but it challenges me. To, to read some read scripture and then not necessarily to interpret it, but to apply it and apply it to life. And, and that's the important thing to me is, is we can read scripture, we can dissect scripture all we want. And, and that's good. But if it doesn't get out of our head and into our heart and come out in our life, really what is scripture all about? It, it, it should be transformational. And that's what that's kind of where where I've been. I I just want to apply it to my life and apply it to the lives of others. And uh, I hope and pray my children are are reading them. You know, I know I I know some people are reading them. Quite a few will, will get back to me regularly. And sometimes out of the blue, someone will say, "Hey, I know I haven't responded to your to your to your messages, but I'm going to tell you." They're impacting me, and and that's that's what we're called to do, Jeff. We're 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 in a position we've had we've had a history. We've, God's given us a resume. He's put us in touch with people. He's put us on a platform. Let's use that place that we're at, impact others. Most importantly, impact them for Jesus Christ. Amen, man. Amen. Uh, I think you had maybe. Uh... One or two of my guys that I coached. How about Emmanuel McDaniel? Was he there with you, you guys? Emmanuel McDaniels. He was a defensive um, back. Okay. Um, I apologize. I can't say I remember that. I'm not sure of the years. You might have been at Jacksonville then. Okay. Or uh, uh, and I, I, I had, sure. had, had Akeem Nix. He was one of your guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, Hakeem Nix. Uh, Madison Hedgecock, uh, oh, <laughs> big hedge. Hey, you know, you know, you know what? That year that we 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 signed him off the wires. He got cut by St. Louis. Yeah, and 
and we picked him up. So our he was two seventy five as a fullback, yeah. but but didn't yeah. look. I mean he he was I mean he was built well. He obviously had a good foundation by you, and and then Brandon Jacobs was our our running back. Right. And Brandon was two sixty five, <laughs> so, so that was our backfield. You know, <laughs> you know. That's that's those some heavyweights back there, and and they both were, were were good athletes and could run and and do what needed to be done. So, no doubt, yeah, Madison. Uh, I think we even had him playing some D line when I was there. He kind of moved around a little bit. He was a special teams killer, and uh, you know Madison was always very tough. Uh, he power cleaned three eighty five. Uh, he had some good numbers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't run real well when I first got there. We, we worked a whole lot on his movement and uh, I thought that he improved pretty well over the years with that. But uh, I was so happy to see him uh, go to the NFL because he was such a tough kid that worked so hard. You know, you love guys like that. And, and, and he did the Gatorade bucket of, of Super Bowl 42. He's going to pick the Gatorade. Uh, um, cooler and, and, and dumped it all over coach but uh, <laughs> but but, but you, you know what he did on you know Tuesday is the traditional day off in the NFL well you know what that knucklehead would do he on Tuesday he get up early and he'd go out to western New Jersey and he, he'd work on, on his old farmer's combine and he got that oh, cutting, yeah. cutting I don't know what he's cutting with a weed yeah. or whatever he's cutting, but he's a I think that I think the farm might farm might have, might have had a nice good good looking daughter the way he went out there. I don't know, but he but he worked all day on that on that combine. I said, dude, aren't you supposed to be resting on your day off? That's what I do. She goes, that's my relaxation. So, yeah, there's another former player, uh, Jason Brown, who has a huge farm not that far from uh, Madison Hedgecock's farm, and uh, he raises food uh, for the hungry. And uh, he has a harvest every year. You know, I mean, he has uh, a lot of activities out there. It's uh, very impressive what he's done because he turned down millions and millions of dollars to come back home and start that. So uh, uh, really good stuff there. Didn't he play for St. Louis? Didn't he turn down that contract with St. Louis? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, I remember reading a story about him. Talking really fine young man. Got a bunch of kids too, doesn't he? He's got about eight kids, and they're all homeschooled. Hey. And he's he's got a, a chapel there where you can get married, and it's it's awesome. I mean, it's uh, you'd have to see it to see how how beautiful the uh, it is. You know, the, what he set up there for people to get married and so forth and have some activities. But yeah, just uh, un- unbelievable what he's accomplished and and the sacrifices that he made to get it done. But uh, he's definitely. Definitely be, he's definitely a blessed man. Was he strong in his faith uh, when he was at Carolina with you? Yeah, he was when always he, very strong in his faith. Some people didn't understand him at times, uh, but he always had that in him. Um, and he'll tell a story of you know his testimony where he had when he first went to St. Louis. You know, he had a huge mansion with bars in it and all kinds of liquor, and and uh, you know he was. One night he just said he was pouring all this uh, expensive liquor down the drain and his wife was trying to figure out what he was doing. And he said, hey, I'm done. You know, we're, we're going back home. I'm out of this. <laughs> you wow. know, we're, we're going we're going to give our lives to Christ and we're going to you know, we're going to build a farm. And that's and that's what he did. So. So he had some transformation taking place when he's in yeah. Indiana, so I guess. Uh, yeah. Incredible story. Very incredible. Um, so I wanted to, uh, well, first of all, I just want to tell you that I, I would love to have you come on uh, Locker Room for Life sometime and, and speak in, uh, uh, you know, any way that I can get involved to uh, spread the word. Hey, I, I'm out here, man. I'm just looking for a mission. So uh, uh, I'm always available. Great, um, great. Great. I wanted to... um, so, so, so 
The other thing that I did, Jeff, too, that, you know, I tell people all the time who as a free approaching retirement, I said, you have to have vision and purpose. Yep. If you think you're going to play golf and fish and just chill around the house, it's probably not going to work for you. And yeah. I had to have vision and purpose. So what I did is I immediately began volunteering for the Fellowship Christian Athletes. And FCA in North Carolina is big because I remember what it was like when I was at Carolina. Right. But FCA in New Jersey, especially North Jersey, was was slim to none. And yeah. uh, so that's basically been, been our mission to continue to advance FCA up here. And uh, I speak to coaches, speak to athletes, yeah, and uh, share Christ. And my wife and I do what we call it's it's called coaches timeout now. Coaches marriage timeout, where yeah, coaches and their spouse get away from for for one night. Sometimes some some areas do it for two nights, and uh, just break out away from the kids. And uh, we 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 teach on three areas. We teach uh, growing closer to God, growing close to your spouse, growing close closer to your team and your staff. And uh, it's been very rewarding uh, to do that. We've, we've done it in, in a number of states around here as well. So it's, it's been very rewarding. And, and uh, like I said, it's, 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 it's fulfilling the, the role God has called you to be. And that's, that's how I feel I'm doing. I hear you. Yeah, I spoke at a men's fellowship for the FCA at a, a Baptist church here about a week ago. I've got two more uh, engagements scheduled this summer with them. So uh, starting to do some things with the FCA here in North Carolina as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about getting out there more. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons that I started to get into this was I started to think about the people that I coached. So I thought about uh, the two, the two guys that got gunned down, got murdered, uh, who I coached the over 100 people that, uh, had to leave the team for repeatedly smoking marijuana. I know there was over a hundred of them. I started thinking about, uh, this mental health issue. I started thinking about, um, when 25 guys come in as freshmen and when they're seniors, there's about six of them left. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to maybe help save some of these collegiate athletes as well. So uh, um, that's what I keep. Um, I guess you could say I'm, I'm in search. I've got three pastors on my team that played for us now that are extremely influential, um, who just are, are incredible pastors who have an incredible message. I uh, have done really well in building their churches. I had a pastor come on the podcast and we prayed for one of our former uh, athletes at ECU that had was dealing with colon cancer uh, right on the podcast here. And then another uh, former athlete from, from many years before that heard the podcast and called me and asked me if he could come on and rededicate his life to Christ on the podcast. So we've done that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just really excited about what we can do. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I, yeah, I, I know that it just brings you so much joy that you're, you're where God wants you to be. You're, you're, you're fulfilling the mission. Uh, so, well, I wanted to ask you as, you know, from trying to, I guess, create something that's an oasis for a troubled athlete. What are some of the things that you witnessed over the years, in the NFL in relationship to what brought people down? Well, Women, first of all, you know, there was uh, uh, some NFL players feel that, you know, their wives have to understand the life of the NFL. Like, okay, you're not going to be my, you're not going to be my only woman. I'm going to have some other women. And so that, that has brought men down. Um, money, just the fact that you have money. You don't know how to deal with money, so you don't know how to manage it, and you're 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 living that lifestyle. Then all of a sudden, bam, you get cut. 
and that big check goes down to zero. And how do you deal with that? And then what happens is when guys get out, it's like they're gone. They're totally cut off. And that's what people don't understand. I mean, once you're cut from a team, all your relationships are like 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 over. You you wondering, hey, what happened to my boys? Well, you right. know, out of sight, out of mind. And and these guys go through a lot of pain, you know, whether it's it's it's, it's mental issues or or emotional issues, then they turn to alcohol and they they're they're doing that. And they don't have any any direction in their lives. And then yeah, that's where you read about a guy going going bankrupt, getting arrested, divorced. I mean, those percentages are pretty high. And again, that's don't don't take this the wrong way. That's not every athlete, every, every NFL player, because some of them are are, are well rounded, have the head on straight, and know how to uh, you know live life and do it well, and, right. and be a be a be a good man. So that that's what I've seen to be a lot of a lot of the issues. And once they get out of the game, they don't have vision and purpose, so they're sitting at home and no one's calling their wife anymore. They're not getting invited to go to these 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 big events. And unfortunately she's still living the lifestyle, spending money, and he's like we ain't got no money, right? And it's just—it's just a big, crazy roller coaster that that these these guys can get on. So, those are some of the issues we've seen. Now, these player development people that they hire—do you feel like they have an impact, or what is what is their, uh, you know, what's their job description? Well, I think they have a good impact, but again. Just like just like you've you talked to guys and you've taught guys and you've spoken to lies of guys, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. And and the same thing. So um Coach Coffin required all rookies to go to these these uh events that the play development guys put on. And that was every week during the season. And they were good. There, there were financial people coming in talking to them about managing their money, not someone trying to get their business, just talking about some clear, clear basics. And then, you know, just a whole lot of different things on, on, on life. And the programs are good, but then when, when they become a, a veteran, so to speak, you know, even though it's on one more year, then it becomes optional. And are they going to take, take advantage of that? But the player development guys are good. It all, it all depends. Many of my foreign players, and if they take the, take their job serious, then they um, they really become a real asset to the, to these athletes. Charles Way, uh, former uh, running back for the Giants, uh, running back for UVA, a good man, strong Christian man, and and he was he was good. He was real good. And then, when he left, I think he took a job in the league office. And then um, David Tyree became the play development guy. So uh, those are the two guys uh, with the Giants. And the Giants have a really good program. The Mara family uh, believe in investing in these people. They, they don't want to see anybody fail in life. And they have a, because it's a family organization, and of course, yeah. the tissue. Are involved as well, but the Maras are pretty much more on site. They want to invest in their in their people, so um, they do what they can to help guys. And right. uh, any player that's been with the Giants will probably tell you that. Well, the uh, that's definitely one of the the purposes of what I'm trying to do is to. Look at some of the common issues that some of these guys go through at the collegiate level or whatever level and, you know, and try to find some type of solution, you know, and I, I don't know where, where it's going to go, but uh, I'm going to try to keep, uh, keep trying to be an impact any way that I can. Well, I think what you do, Jeff, and I, I looked at your site when you told me 
it's like, and I, I said to myself, it's, it's like a play development program. It's that, that's your goal. And yeah. all you can do is do what you do. Right. And some guys are going to gravitate to it and some guys are not. And, right. you know, you, you, you get frustrated over it, but you got to rejoice in ones that you, that, that, that took a hold of the, uh, the lifesaver you throw them. So. No doubt. And I get a lot of, uh, I'm getting a lot of satisfaction out of it personally. So, so it's all good. Sure. I, I love these podcasts and reconnecting with people and talking about, uh, talking about testimonies and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, so uh, before we, uh, before we close, we've got a few more minutes here. I just wanted to talk nuts and bolts and maybe just a little bit of strength and conditioning and some of the new things that have occurred with, uh, with regard to readiness and VBT and GPS and force plates and aura rings and, and uh, you know, uh, so in readiness, for instance, <clears throat> okay, how does that influence me? Uh, what, what do I learn from that on a daily basis with readiness? What do I, what do I do? What, what, what should I change? You know, uh, you know what's I, the plan there with readiness? I'm probably not the best guy to ask, to be honest with you. Um, but I think simply put is back in the old days, we could look at a guy and we could tell whether they're ready to perform, whether they're ready to practice, you know, the guy, cause they're all glassy eyed, you know, stooped over, you know, he had a rough night, yep. but so you, you, you got it, you know, now people say, well, just send him home, let him go to sleep. Well, shoot, he might do that three days a week, you know? Right. And right. at some point you, you, you got to get him going. And, um, you know, I like you probably had some guys show up. You know, I, I remember in the NFL, some guys show up hungover. I said, okay, very good. Go eat yourself some water, throw some water in your face. Come on, we got a workout to do. Right. Our responsibility. But I do think that, especially with the GPS, where you're, where you're tracking the, uh, the workload and the speeds that they're going, and you can see the fatigue, we can see a lot with our naked eye. But what the GPS did for us was it it made it more objective. You began to uh, validate what you were seeing, and it gave you some numbers to work to work on. And right. um, in those times where where the numbers were showing the guy was having a difficult time, so what I did was is is I I lightened the load and just increased the speed. That, that that they moved the bar at, you know. So it wasn't like I said, okay, you're just gonna chill out. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move the bar faster, okay. We're gonna cut the load down so it's not a stressful on, onto your body. And I can't say that I did it very much, Jeff. To be honest with you, just you know, right? The, the guys, the guys wanted to work. They wanted to do their they they want to fall behind. Um, so, but that's what. Um, a lot of has, has done, you know, we doing some, some blood work and all that as well. Things, things show up. So it just began to, to, to make things more valid, give you something more objective to look at than just your, your gut feeling, but you can't get rid of that gut feeling, you know, Yeah. especially high school coaches that they're, they're probably not going to have GPS. I'm sure some coaches, some high schools do, but, um, they, uh, um, they've been coaching young people for a long time, and they can read through a kid. I think the thing is you got to do is, is sometimes you just have to be more sensitive to the kid and try to understand what's going on in that kid's life. Especially yeah. when that they, you know, especially with a kid, they got they got issues going on at home. That's going to affect what they do and how they perform and their focus. Yeah, I think when when you step into that kid's life, and you let him know that he's loved and he's cared for, and you care more about him as a, as a human being than you do as how much how much he's gonna squat and how much he's gonna press, how much he's gonna clean, then that kid is is gonna come around, and 
You're gonna do wonders for that kid emotionally and mentally, and it's all gonna transpire. You're gonna help him physically as well. Right. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm old school guy. I, I wasn't even familiar with any of these things besides uh, Tendo units. I used Tendo units for a long, long time. Uh, and I used them a lot of different ways. You know, I, I just didn't use them to, for bar speed. I did a lot of things with wattage. Um, but, you know, so I thought that was good. Um, at the same time, there's still even some controversy there with regard to what exactly you, you can get out of it. And, you know, you got this velocity versus force training and velocity plus force training and all, all this type of thing to, to consider with each each individual in relationship to what their favorable attributes are, I guess. But I still believe that if you recruit fast twitch guys coming in the door, you're going to have a lot better chance to develop them. And, you know, and you're probably going to win a lot more games as well. So, uh, you know, I guess the whole thing now, as I understand it, is everybody wants statistics about injuries in the NFL. And, hey, we got to keep them healthy. And that's the number one deal. So, I mean, uh, and I saw where now they give the athletes are giving grades to the coaches. Uh, I just happened to see like where one of the coaches, the strength coach, I'm not going to say the team got like a, a D plus from the players. So it's. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, you know it, it, from my, what I understand that that was last year. I think the first time yeah. they did it, it was the, the, um, uh, the player rep for the union who, who actually did it. So, you know, I know a guy got, got a B plus. Yeah. Well, that that player thought he was giving him a good grade you know so it, it, it's so subjective and then it all yeah. depends upon sure you, you you might have been up that up that guy's butt that week the week you yeah. gave you an evaluation so so he's pissed off you know right so right. um that's you know but um yeah it's it, it, it's tough from that standpoint um, yeah the direction it's going in and, 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 and the whole grading system is uh, it's, it's, it's unfair <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, yeah. And it, it's really the, the coach, the coach has to know what's going on. Yeah. And uh, the head coach and, you know, Jeff, I know you aren't one of these guys, but nothing turns my stomach more. When there's a room full of people working out, working out, and the strength coach sitting in in the locker, sitting in his office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if those guys need to be fired, okay? you, know, you, you don't put yeah, a work yeah. you don't put a workout up on the board. My um, first my first uh, ten years when I was at ECU, uh, I never even had a computer. So uh, you know, plus. I never even understood why you'd even want to be in your office if somebody was on the floor. I mean, what, why would you even want to be in your office? You know, uh, you, know you, you got to learn about every athlete by being with the athlete. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's the way I always saw it. We're called the coach and yes, sir. building relationships and you can't do that in the office and you can't, uh, you can't challenge them, you know, and yeah. if, if you're sitting in the office, how are they getting motivated? Yeah. So. Well, Jerry, I'm going to have to close it out, but uh, I, I hope to stay in touch with you and and pretty much uh, stay informed with, with what you're doing. And uh, if there's anything I can ever do, uh, please let me know. And um, I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you asking me. This is honor and a privilege. It's been very enjoyable for the last uh, 60 minutes to visit with you and the topics we talked about. And, uh, and anytime being connected with the brothers is, is, is critical. So thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay. Well, God bless. And uh, uh, this is Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment. Uh, God bless everybody out there and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, 
at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!